Well, hey there. Welcome to this episode of Uncommon Conversations, where we talk to community leaders about how they build and support their communities to deepen relationships, build better products, and drive business impact. I'm Rebecca, the head of Common Room's Uncommon Community, and I'm super glad you're here. Learn more about the Uncommon Community at commonroom.io slash uncommon, or accept this cordial invitation to join me and more than 1,000 other community builders in the Uncommon Community Slack. And if you're looking for the best way to help activate and grow your community, get started with Common Room for free today at commonroom.io. I'll see you on the other side. Rebecca interviewing a community expert, a longtime community expert, maybe the most expert of community experts, Jeff Barr, the vice president and chief evangelist at Amazon Web Services or AWS, as it's often known and often belovedly called. Um, Let's begin. Jeff, thanks so much for being here. Happy to be here, Rebecca. I really appreciate the invitation to talk with you. Oh my gosh. I'm so excited. I'm, uh, as I I have said, a longtime listener, longtime caller. Um, and I've racked my brain for a good way to begin this interview, um, but it's really hard to think of ways to begin an interview with a legend, and I don't say that lightly. Um, I actually just recorded a podcast for Jeremy Daly's 100th Serverless Chats episode, and we talk about you quite a bit. Oh, my. Um, <laughs> yeah, we really talk about, and we'll get into this a little later, but we uh, we talk about your principled desire to be relatable and accessible in the content that you write and create um, for other people in the community. Um, so before we get started, to help set context for our audience, you're the Vice President and Chief Evangelist at AWS, um, and you've been at AWS for nearly two decades. You started in 2002, correct me if that's wrong, but I did a little sneaky, uh, you know, uh, I guess, unsneaky public snooping. Um, and when you started in 2002, you started as a web services evangelist. You're evangelizing before evangelism was hip. Um, and you are, as some people call it, literally the godfather of community building and product advocacy um, by way of that personability and accessibility of your educational content. Um, so that's a super long intro, but you've had a super long career. And before we dive too far in, Will you take us in your way back machine and tell us a bit about where you are today, where you're based, what you focus your time on, and why you think community building is important? Sure. Okay. So I'm based in Seattle. And like you said, I've been working for Amazon for almost two decades. And I think for my entire career, I've really enjoyed being effectively right on the border or the intersection of the tech and the marketing. And even very early in my career, my my first job that I was getting paid for was at a computer store here in Seattle. And my official task was just to take all of the, the books and magazines and literature out of the boxes and put them on the shelves. But what I actually did is I spent a lot of time reading all of this material before I put it on the shelves. And that meant that even though I was I was 17 years old at the time, I had this really good understanding of the hardware and the software and the companies. And so naturally people would come in the store and, and ask questions and the other employees, they hadn't put in that energy to really study, but they'd say, talk to that long haired kid over there in the corner, he'll tell you all about it. And uh, I just really enjoyed explaining things. And I'm, I'm doing the same job 40 plus years later now. So in 2002, evangelism was, you know, perhaps around in certain ways, uh, but I mean, really the entire cloud development space was just emerging and that seems crazy to say, but is true. Uh, and then second, you know, uh, as that was just emerging, I- I'm wondering 
what did having evangelism in your title mean to you back then? And in terms of, I think you sort of set the standard for what evangelism would be, certainly in the cloud development space. And so what did it mean to you back then? And how has that evolved um, up until today? What does it mean to you today? Well, to me, it was it was really just raising awareness among developers and developers were really my first audience and ha having spent a lot of my career building things with code and and then explaining them just kind of naturally it was always like if i understand this really really well then i can explain it to myself and that'll then give me the credibility to tell other people about it and then if they say well sounds interesting on the surface but can you go a little bit deeper and a little bit deeper i, I always wanted to make sure that i had just a sufficient reservoir of, of technical depth that that whatever debt level that the the other side would like to go to that I could just go there with them and that I could really maintain my credibility not with like a lot of of like fancy marketing buzzwords but with like okay well they say okay take us another level in and another level in I'm like okay however deep you'd like to go I, I think I can go there with you and that's become more and more challenging as as I've gotten a little bit away from the the details of the tech and maybe a little bit kind of older and into the the marketing side a bit but I still pride myself on whatever I write about I've personally used it I've gotten that hands-on experience and I I'm not just talking about what it would be like to use it I'm saying I actually use this and this is how it worked for me yeah, I, I love that. I mean, having had the honor of working with you personally at AWS, I, I remember a few key times where we'd be working on a, a blog post, let's say, and you'd be like, if I can't get access to this, I can't write about it. And I loved that that principledness, right? And so that's that's truly something that strikes me about your work is its consistency and its dedication to that reproducibility by someone else who's trying to code alongside you. Um, and those principles that you have around how you deliver that type of content, um, and so I'm wondering if you can tell us a bit about your process. Like, again, I guess I'll ask you to go, like, can you go a little deeper about that process for like building that content? What do you ask yourself? What do you instruct your team to do when they're saying like, hey, is this content that actually helps the developer come alongside me? Sure, so within our development process at Amazon, we have this really, I, I think fairly well-known phrase at this point of start from the customer and work backward. And one of the tangible artifacts from that process is a document that we call the PR FAQ, the press release plus frequently asked questions. So one of the first steps when a team approaches me or one of the other bloggers and they would like to have a blog post written, they supply us with that PR FAQ. And the idea is we can read the press release aspect of it, usually in a couple of minutes and get a reasonable understanding of what the, the new service or the new feature is all about. And then we can deep dive into the FAQ, which can often range up to 50 printed pages, deep dive in there and get a, a, an even better idea. So what my methodology is, and, and this is something I've refined over the years, I'll generally set up my screen so that I've got the PR FAQ on one half and I use a, a mind mapping tool on the other half. So as I'm reading through the documents, I'm building this kind of mind map structure that there's to me a, a new, effectively a new data structure representation of all the information in, in the press release and in the FAQ. So I'm, I'm kind of reconstructing visually all the information. And so that means I don't have to somehow try to like capture it all and have it all in my head. Like I'm, some people say, wow, you must have like the world's most amazing memory and you can remember these thousands of facts about this service. 
not even close. A, a lot of what I'm doing as I'm getting ready to write is simply organizing the information. And then at the point when I say, okay, I've, I've gotten all organized, then I'm ready to actually start writing. Um, one, one thing about writing that is always worth sharing is it might look really easy at the end because you've got this really nice, smooth document. Writing is actually really difficult. Would you recommend the PRFAQ process in such a way to, to almost any company, right? If you're trying to build your community, if you're trying to build content that is accessible for your community, um, is that something that you're like, I think this could truly be applied to the way that everyone thinks about building this type of content and having the information beforehand to build on the information that makes sense? I've certainly seen it to be very, very effective. And, you know, back in the old days when we actually used to go to the office and you would like run into colleagues in the elevator or the hallway or or sometimes literally in the street and they would say, hey, Jeff, good to see you. We're building this really, really cool thing. And you don't even have to ask. They just say, we're building this really cool thing. They tell you a little bit about it. And the next sentence was always, we will send you the PR FAQ. So it, it was this very standardized way to to summarize and then detail plans in, in a way that, and because it was standardized, you, you'd know what to expect. You'd know that you could scan that press release very, very quickly. And it, it wasn't simply the document, but also knowing the process that we went through. And when, when you tell somebody new, you say, well, you need to write a page and a half press release. And they're probably thinking, oh yeah, that's pretty easy. And I'll, I'll do that tomorrow afternoon. But we, we both know that actually getting to the point of a, of a polished, accurate, descriptive, helpful press release, it, it might go through 20, 30 iterations before you're truly, truly happy with it. And you say, this is what we understand of our customer base and this is what we want to build. So that, that polished press release is just, um, it, it's, it's worth its weight in gold as far as being able to, to really to describe what's going on. And then I, I have to imagine if you're building a dev team and you're bringing a lot of new people on board, you don't want to have to like sit them down individually and say, okay, let's review for you again, what it is that we're going to do. Th this ability to simply say, here's the PR FAQ, take, take a look and let me know if you have any questions. It, it's a very powerful communication tool. What are some of the most enduring channels or enduring approaches or important channels or approaches to leverage when it comes to building community? Hmm. I don't think there's any one best channel because everybody has to find the one that, that works for them and that has kind of their chosen peer group within it. And like I, I for example, love to go to lots and lots of different subreddits and there, there's always so many interesting kinds of things happening. There's, there's quite a few that I lurk in. There's just one or two that I actually read faithfully every day. There's just a few that I like to just actually post in. And it's, it's a, the, the, like, I, I love the AWS subreddit because the people in there, they are, they're positive about AWS for the most part. They, they know their, 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 um, they, they know their stuff. They're very, very welcoming to newcomers. And like one, one of the things that I find fascinating is that there are some communities that are effectively all experts and they're somewhat closed communities. And it's, it's almost impossible for someone new to, to, to break the barrier and to get to kind of become an insider. And th those kind of communities ultimately, they don't thrive. They, they might think they're, they're wonderful for a while, but ultimately it, it's easier for them to lose members than to gain members. Has there been any moments where you have learned from what has been posted on the subreddit, perhaps before you learned it or heard it like another way where you're like, oh, I never thought about using that product that way. Oh, all, all the time. You? 
all, all the time. Like one of the things that is awesome about the the AWS subreddit is that the people there know more about AWS, I think, than most of my colleagues and myself do. Because the reality is we build it and we then promote it. But these are the people that are actually working with it and using it every day. And their their career set depends on their actual ability to, to use it properly. So there, there's there's so much interesting kind of gritty real world experience that you see in a in a good post where someone said, well, this looks like a wonderful solution on the surface and someone else chimes in and says, well, but when you get to like a million requests per second, don't forget about this. And here's a, an interesting scaling challenge. And here's something that you should keep in mind. It's like, it's just priceless knowledge just given freely, which I, I think might be a really interesting aspect of a community. Just how, how much you get effectively at, at no cost other than your, your attention. Oh my God. I love that phrase, priceless knowledge given freely. It's like, you know, the ethos of open source really and knowledge sharing and, oh, that's great. I'm going to put on a poster if you don't mind. Um, so I'm curious if thinking about all the pieces of content, whether or not that, you, you know, you've read across the years or that you've produced, um, if there's, if there are a few that remain your favorite. Um, on the technical side, Probably when we launched EC2, and the the funny thing is that the launch of EC2 had been imminent for months and months and months. So we're we are going back fifteen years at this point. So it was like the the, the spring of two thousand six, and we're we're getting ready, and we're getting ready. And this is before there's really a marketing organization, before we really have a a process of any kind. So the the entire process of I'd like a blog post. Can you write a blog post? Here's how you get access was all managed through my inbox. It was not nearly as formal as it, as it has become in the last seven or eight years. And EC2 was imminent for a long time. There were just so many things to figure out. And at, at the point when, when they actually picked a date and said, okay, this is the date it's gonna launch. Well, of course it fell right in the middle of a long planned family vacation to Mexico. And it's like, but I'm not, gonna, I'm not going to miss this launch and I'm not gonna miss the vacation. So I, I took my laptop to, to Cabo San Lucas with me and I sat there poolside and squinting to see the screen, got the last details of that blog post written. And they said, go ahead and launch and away we went. And so I'm, I'm pretty far from home, but able to get that post out there and launched. And it still had the hands-on, it still had all the details. And I looked back and I said, you know what? I, I set a really nice model back then of this is what it is. Here's as many technical details as I can share for you. Here's how to use it. Here's what it costs. Here's how to learn some more. And then that, that model, I, I've certainly polished it a bit over the years, but, um, but it, it's pretty much stayed the same. You're pretty like, you gotta have screenshots of code, right? So I think that's also super orienting and like like helps someone or understand like okay here's what it is here's how it works here's the technical details and also this is what you will see or what I have seen um, and I think that's really great that visual aspect that you add to it as well. It, it really is, and one one of the things I think about every time I write a post is no matter how much of a reputation that I've built up over the years, no matter how much credibility I, I might have earned with my audience, it can all go away with just one less than awesome post. And so you always feel like you're just balanced on top of this. My, my dog's here kind of clamoring for some attention. Hello. <laughs> She's just gonna give her a quick little pat here. Um, anyway, I, I always think, well, 
I, I've got to get this exactly right because if there's just if if anything that I show doesn't correspond to to what's actually happening. It could look like I was just faking it the whole time, and that would just blow all my credibility. So I, I try really hard to make sure that every every last detail is just absolutely perfect. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's super palpable the respect that you have for your audience, and um, I think that comes through all the time. Uh, so thank you for that. Um, so you can't do all of this alone, especially as obviously it's you know AWS went from two, five, one service when you started to, um, what are we at? Maybe 168, 172, somewhere around there. I went kind of over 200 last week. What? Oh, well, I'm a little late on my news. I guess since I joined Common Room, I got to keep up. <laughs> um, well, congratulations on the, you know, that milestone. So as you're building out your team and as you're looking for new evangelists, new community builders, new writers, to continue making sure that you create content that is principally relatable and respecting of your audience. I'm curious what you look for. Well, I like to just look, look for people that, that really enjoy communicating. And to me, communicating, it's, it's all about having a great understanding of what you'd like to say, ha having kind of an identification and an understanding with your audience and saying, okay, well, I've, I've met some representative sample of this audience in person and almost to be able to like as you're writing kind of think well i'm writing for these very specific people that i've met in, in the past and, and just say okay well can, can you can you like and i remember very specifically meeting random people at events over the years and they would give me some kind words and some good feedback about a blog post and in a in the most non weird way possible, I would kind of like think of like, I'll take a, like a mental picture of these folks and, and they will be my audience. I will be writing for those specific people the next time I, I write a blog post. So that I, I'd say that that identification with the audience and saying my job as an evangelist, it, it's, it, it's not to make me look good. It's to help out the audience. And there, 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 there've been that you, you certainly can get really well known and build up a great reputation by doing evangelism because you're out there in public and that that's wonderful but you have to you can't make that your goal that's just a really awesome side effect of doing a good job at what you're supposed to be doing i think i mean by this point you've got a lot of admirers um and me being one of them everyone on this call being one of them uh and just yeah you go to reinvent right and it's like it's jeff Barr. so i'm wondering if you flip that right is there someone a person or, or an organization um that you really admire when it comes to community building? Well, I, I've watched the evolution of the Linux kernel over the years, and you, you watch the entire community around Linux, um, from, from Linus on downward, and the entire team that he's built of all the, the, the various levels of people that, that own the different subsystems and review the, the, the patches and, and forward them up to, to him for the, the, final, the final merges. And watching that a lot of what he has done was originally technical, but now he's, really the organizer of this worldwide community that's all working together to do, to build this incredibly complicated system with tens of millions of lines of code that runs on so many different devices and runs on earth and runs on Mars. And it's like, that, that's a really just admirable thing to do. And he, he's a fairly, he's really direct. He's really brusque. He doesn't answer to any marketing folks and he, he can be fairly not, not just terse, but he can be almost uh, to the point of like, okay, say, so well, 
this is a piece of tech that I just don't like and don't respect. And then, but he can then back it up and he can tell you 15 reasons why he doesn't like it and doesn't respect it. And so I, I, I admire his ability to be that, uh, that, that forthcoming about his technical opinions. So you have been in community since 2002, but really I think you were thinking about it even before then, right? As far as like what it means to educate someone, share knowledge with someone, teach someone how you like to learn. Um, and I'm wondering if thinking about that, that full kind of breadth of seeing how far community programs have come, uh, so many organizations didn't even have them, wasn't thinking about it, weren't thinking, weren't thinking about evangelism and advocacy. Um, or maybe they're sharing, you know, product content just so like the product user could use the product, but not necessarily to become such a fan that they too would go on a subreddit and teach others how to do it. So I'm curious if across that time span, where do you think the idea of community is going today or, or should go in the future? Well, I, I think we should have a really good mix of online and in person when it's safe to meet again in person. I, even before my first job at a computer store, I was a member of a, a computer group here in Seattle called the, the Northwest Computer Club. This was 1975, 1976. And th that in-person community, I think, was really, really a valuable thing. And there, there, I still love and have just great um, admiration for user groups. I, in, in 2012, I think it was, I, I had spoken at so many different user groups, kind of piecemeal over the, the previous years. That I just I looked at my calendar and I found uh, a three week break in my calendar at the right time of the year and I put a little note out on the blog that said I'm going to fly to the east coast of the U.S. and I'm going to drive across the country and I want to speak at a user group every night for three weeks wow. and it was the, the my entire calendar filled up within probably four or five hours and it was it was the most awesome thing ever to just spend the entire day driving i would drive three or four hundred miles a day i'd get checked into my hotel i'd get ready and i'd go present for two hours and go to these really fun user groups just all across the country and it was just really really neat just to see how much personal energy people would put into showing up for a user group like if, if you're if you're in silicon valley or if you're in certain parts of the east coast there, there's a lot of population density there's a lot of tech but you get to the the, the rest of the country people will drive two or three hours to go to a user group meeting. And it's like, these, these people really, they didn't go because their, their manager told them, yes, you must attend a user group to further your career. It was their personal interest that they went there to, to, to further. And I, I really admire that from, from all kinds of user groups. It's always people that are, they're self-motivated to just to, to, to show up. And if you're the organizer of that, of a user group, even more so you're, you're doing it because you think, this is something so interesting and so valuable. I want to make sure other people get to know more about it as well. I'm wondering if there's anything else that we shouldn't miss sharing with the Uncommon audience um, that I have yet to ask you, where you're like, hey, if there's one takeaway that I, I, I wish you'd asked about that I'd like to share from my depth of expertise, it would be this. Like, how did we not cover this? You know, when I think about building communities, it really has to be a community that if you are new to the either new to the community or you're not even part of it but you're thinking about joining that community it has to be welcoming to new folks and it has to be welcoming to people that are maybe a little bit shy and that are not certain of themselves or their technical knowledge and maybe maybe the the primary language of the community isn't their primary language having a community where 
you step into it and you ask an innocent question and you get a, re a really nice reply of like, oh, okay, we're, you're, we recognize that you're new and we'd love to help you. We're so happy that you're part of it. it it's so important to be able to do that. And then, and then that person's like, oh, okay, I, I feel like I actually belong here. Thank you so much for your time. I do want to, I'm not sure if you have, if you've had the time to think about this yet, but as a note to our audience, we're all super excited to continue what we're, what we call uncommon support or the uncommon support fund. And um, because it, for us, it's important to embody what we believe, which is that a community is strongest when it uplifts one another. And so to that end, every time we have an interview with a community expert, and we ask them to choose a STEM or a tech nonprofit whose cause and mission they really believe in and want to highlight, and then Uncommon donates in their honor. So I'm wondering if you can tell us a bit more about an organization that you chose to dedicate your Uncommon support to or, th or that you love to support, and then obviously we'll, we'll make that donation in your, um, in your honor. Oh, sure. So that, 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 that's very, very kind. So th there's a, a local organization, or a local presentation that my wife and I attend that's called Science in the City at, at the Pacific Science Center in Seattle. And so Science in the City is a basically they invite um, scientists from all over the world to come and present to adult audiences. And it's, it's a wonderful you can think of it as continuing education, but if you call it that, it would scare people away. So it's, it's just interest of people showing up and, and learning about some really interesting science-oriented topics. So that that's a an organization that we've uh, we, we've attended and supported, and would uh, would love to. I'm sure they'd love the additional support from 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 Common Room. Awesome. Well, we at Uncommon and at Common Room are super happy to support that. Um, and thank you for sharing with everyone watching. Happy to do it. All right. Well, that is that's it from our uncommon interview with a community expert, the one and only the singular Jeff Barr. Thanks so much, Jeff. Oh, thank you so much, Rebecca. It's been really fun to talk to you.